You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. When we think about South Africa's economic reconstruction and recovery plan, we need to ask ourselves how far it goes to address unemployment in the country. The launch of the presidential employment stimulus uh, in the economic recovery and construction plan marks a fundamental shift in government's approach to tackling unemployment. As the president reminded us in his weekly missive last week, uh, the government is undertaking a far-reaching and ambitious public investment in human capital with the state as both a creator and an enabler of jobs. The presidential employment stimulus is unprecedented in its scale and breadth, involving a public investment of 100 billion over the next three years, 14 billion initially. But there has been some misunderstanding by some commentators on how it will be funded and rolled out. I'm joined now by Dr. Kate Phillip, who's a development strategist supporting the presidency in the design of the stimulus, and Dr. Tashmir Ismail Seville, CEO of the Youth Employment Services. Kate, what is the employment stimulus broadly? Can you just give us the nuts and bolts of uh, what it's targeting in which sectors and what the time frames are? So the employment stimulus is one component of the overall economic recovery strategy and I think it's important to to understand that. Um, And what we often say is that the employment stimulus is if you like plan B. Plan A is for the economy to recover and to create decent jobs. Um, And that is uh, both a short term and a medium term requirement Um, But while the economy recovers, and in this context where markets face enormous challenges, we need uh, a plan B, if you like. Society needs a plan B to get people back to work by using public investment um, as its strategy and as an instrument. So that's what the presidential employment stimulus uh, is doing. It is using public investment to create jobs and opportunities of different kinds uh, in the short term. Um, What was announced by the president is phase one of the employment stimulus. It is the programs that are ready to roll out, that are funded through the already announced special adjustment budget, uh, and that will be implemented in year. So that is what the president was announcing. For the medium term, we rely on the medium term budget that will be announced um, later this week. Um, for the framework uh, within which to plan for the stimulus in the medium term. So the jobs and opportunities that were announced by the president now are in fact programs that are ready to roll this financial year. Um, If I can go through some of what those are, just to give people a taste of those, if that's okay. Um, There are a number of different components Uh, A key component is public employment, and South Africa has a long history of public employment programs and quite a lot of innovation in this space, uh, including in the environmental sector, in the social sector, uh, in terms of labour-intensive approaches to infrastructure. But what the employment stimulus is trying to do is to, to expand on this, to build on lessons, but also to Uh, to scale up in ways that maximize the employment opportunities. And there are some exciting new programs in the mix. So for example, the program for 300,000 school assistants, which will start rolling out from next month, um, becomes one of the country's biggest public employment programs. And as a national program, it is new. So yes, provinces have experimented with school assistant programs, but this takes it to a new level of scale. 
and is going to make a huge difference both in the schools where teachers are grappling uh, with problems of, of imposed by COVID um, and difficulty for the school year. And so the school assistants are going to play a crucial role, but it's also a crucial work experience for young matriculants who are going to be teachers assistants and also uh, for other young people as school assistants doing things like sanitation, janitorial services, um, security at schools and each school will decide on on on, on their own needs mm. uh, and participants will be selected at the local level through consultative processes with the involvement of school governing bodies and the school itself so that is one of the big uh, new public employment programs that was launched as part of the stimulus and these are not hypothetical jobs these are starting uh, in the next month or so um, and will continue for the rest of the financial year. The hope is that once medium term funding is announced, the possibility of extending those into the medium term framework um, will arise. But right now, the priority has been to spend the funds already allocated in the special adjustment budget. And that so is there are billion, other uh, forms of support to public employment, um, including the environmental sector, rural roads and so on. So public employment is one component of the stimulus. Another component of the stimulus is support to some of the more vulnerable forms of enterprise that have been affected by COVID. So there is a special grant to early childhood development practitioners to get them back on their feet because they've been hard hit by, uh, by the pandemic. Um, there is a grant to a production voucher grant to 74,000 small farmers who have experienced disruptions in their supply chains. There is also a, a big stimulus of, of, of half a billion rand going to the creative and cultural sectors that will be administered through the Department of uh, uh, Science, Arts and Culture, through their agencies, um, on the basis of calls for proposals to the sectors. So supporting a demand response from the creative and cultural sectors that will create opportunities in a context in which they have been very negatively affected. The next component of the stimulus is job retention. And here it is to save jobs that would otherwise be at risk. So for example, in the context of schools, again, some of the posts funded by school governing bodies um, from parent fees have been put at risk because parents aren't currently able to pay fees. Um, and so a form of uh, contribution to the wages of, uh, of those posts um, is part of the stimulus. Um, similarly, in the cultural sector and in the sporting sector, contributions are being made to retain jobs in the sports federations and in cultural institutions where income has been relied upon um, mm. to support those jobs and that income is not available. The final component that I just want to highlight is actually an area of innovation. It's what we're calling social employment. It builds on prior experience, but it's a recognition that there is no shortage of work to be done to improve the quality of life in our communities and to address issues of poverty and to address the many social challenges that we confront. That in the context of the crisis we're currently in, uh, we can't just rely on capabilities and capacities within the state to address the challenge. And so what we are looking at is supporting non-state actors to create what we're calling work for the common good um, and to support that as a, as a form of public employment, a form of publicly funded employment, but implemented and run 
through non-state actors. On that last point, Dr. Philip, when we look at that model, it sounds very much like a, a model that says what we could do is go out and, and give grants to individuals. And we have seen that successfully deployed through the 350 Rand Special COVID Relief Grant. But what this is saying is uh, how can we leverage that and rather uh, and provide that, uh, that stipend in exchange for some kind of social or public good uh, employment? What's the thinking around that and the way this is structured and specifically going through non-state actors in order to disperse this and to, and to manage and implement this. Are you thinking of going to establish non-profits? Just give us a bit more uh, colour and flavour around that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the social employment strategy is looking at a range of, of, of themes and already there are many forms of organisation in the wider society actively engaged um, in relation to work for the common good in relation to many of the themes that are identified here. So whether it is uh, care or community safety, greening in the environment, um, placemaking, informal settlement, upgrading, um, combating gender-based violence, these are all areas where many non-state actors already engage uh, in work. Um, that serves the common good. And the aim is to support those entities to create work. And I think what's important here is that um, research has shown that employers in the wider market recognize and value work undertaken within the nonprofit and non-state sector. And in a context in which work experience is so critical to people's entry into wider labor markets, we need to use all the channels we can to give people opportunities for mm. work experience. Mm. And so the point is to recognize that there's work to be done solving the problems in our society um, and to support that work and to support uh, non-state actors to, to come to the party, if you like, in a whole of society approach to create work at the scale that we need it. Mm -hmm. What this is recognizing is that we can scale up public employment within the public sector to a certain level, um, but there is a limit to how far that can go. And right now, the scale at which we need employment is such that we need a whole of society approach that marshals all the capabilities we have with public investment um, in supporting non-state actors in this regard. Because even of course, going forward, we do hope to attract non-state funding also for such an approach. Um, but we are excited at the partnerships and collaborations that this can unlock um, between government mm. and non-state actors in creating work for the common good. Because even if you create uh, the, the 800,000 jobs, uh, we've lost anywhere between 2.2 and 2.8 million. So it's still a, a very big shortfall and why we need this whole of society approach to build back better as, uh, as the plan says. Tash, how much of this resonates with the work that you're doing currently with the Youth Employment Service in terms of pathways and building experience uh, and, and the kind of collaboration that's needed to have this sort of impact? So yes, as an NPO, I would argue that uh, as a not-for-profit, we, we play precisely the role that, that Kate has been describing. Uh, you, you know, absolutely there's a need for the social jobs at community level where you have the double win of someone earning an income and being trained to deliver really important services in community health care, in recycling, early childhood development. These jobs will, will, will bring about much better development outcomes for communities. But someone has to pay the salary. And I think that's, that's where the issue is. Where does the money come from to be able to have a sustainability to those salaries that get paid? And I think this is where um, the innovation around the BE scorecard and thinking about policies 
like like the yes uh, policy amendment that rewards companies with a BE level if they invest in these jobs. So if you look at many of the YES partners, we now have about 1,180 corporate partners. There's a percentage of them that give us the salaries to fund youth in these social jobs at community level. And we've got youth in rhino protection programs, in uh, recycling programs. We have whale watchers. It's my favorite job in our stable. Um, we've got partners who are delivering early childhood development trainer teachers. It really is an incredible array of jobs. And what excites me is some of our partners are really, these are entry level jobs where you don't need a matric certificate to be able to start working. And if we can unlock more of these partnerships and more policy amendments that will help incentivize uh, the private sector to pay for these jobs, we know that they can have an incredible social and economic impact. Uh, do we need more policy incentive or, or is the current framework around BE school cards enough? It certainly isn't enough. I mean, we're talking about the jobs that are lost during the lockdown. Before lockdown, we had millions of young people who were who are out of work. So, so this is, you know, an already serious situation that has just been exacerbated by lockdown. The current yes number, so we've had, uh, I, I like to count us operationally effective from January 2019, given the Gazette practice note came out in October of 2018. We've done 44,400 thereabouts jobs up to today, uh, one year work experiences. And that is about 2.2 billion in salaries that goes into, um, uh, goes into these youth wallets. And as, as Kate was talking about, you know, when you have these social jobs, it's not just the economic impact of that 2.2 billion, it's that they're getting training in delivering community health outcomes, for example, that in turn will save the fiscus in the longer term, if we can get young people to be delivering things like community health programs. Now, if we were to have broader incentives, like the ETI is also there, we mustn't forget the employment tax incentive allows employers to get a thousand rand back um, on a 3,600 salary, for example. I think that if we could create some small business incentives, the footprint of small businesses, the fact that they will be far more likely to give entry-level workers their first opportunity, the fact that they're closer to communities, I think there's a lot more that we can do on the incentive side that speaks to small businesses creating employment opportunities. Many of the YES partner companies are bigger businesses where scorecards are important and being compliant and transforming is important. But it certainly isn't going to give us the sort of numbers that we could get by targeting the small business sector. I want to come back to the issue of, of funding, Kate, because the president did note in his email last week, his letter, that at this time of great upheaval, we would be doing ourselves no favours by making unrealistic promises that raise expectations only to come short when they're not met. And then he goes on to say that's why each of the jobs and livelihood uh, support uh, interventions is fully funded with this clear implementation plan. Uh, where will the funds come from? So that's for the 800,000. Over the medium term, where do you see the funds coming from? I think it's important to repeat what I said at the beginning, that the stimulus is just one component of a wider economic recovery. And there are many elements to that and critical is private sector recovery including uh, the recovery in the small enterprise sector i mean i think you know we talk about sustainability but the fact of the matter is the 2.2 million jobs that have been lost have proved unsustainable in this current context 
And that's why we need an intervention and a stimulus to try to help um, the economy back on its feet to try and, and help create jobs. I think that the point is that the stimulus is about dealing with a crisis situation while wider forms of economic recovery kick in. So it's not an either or in, in that regard. In terms of how it's funded, public investment is funded through the fiscus. Um, and so, of course, in our current constrained environment, um, there are limits um, and hard uh, choices and trade-offs to be made. Um, but for this period of the stimulus, the, uh, there is direct public investment um, in the jobs and opportunities that have been created. So the 800,000 that were announced, that is all money already allocated and committed through the special adjustment budget that, that was announced earlier this year. So the 800,000 does not depend on new money, mm. but going forward into the medium term, further uh, public in jobs from public investment will require additional funding mm. in the upcoming budgets. And that 800,000, I think it was 13.8 billion or thereabouts, it does put uh, into sharp relief the, the kind of money that we are throwing behind failing SOEs and state-owned enterprises like SAA into, uh, you know, into context. Uh, 10 billion for SAA versus 13.8 billion for 800,000 work experiences and opportunities. I know where I'd be uh, putting my money if I was the one making the decisions. We'll have to see what the finance minister comes up with in his mini budget. Uh, Tash, I want to come back to this issue of skills training and it really should be combined with matching and other employment services to help employers and job seekers finding each other. And I think one such model is this hub model where you've created an ecosystem where you've got youth coming in, accessing things like broadband, picking up skills, networking. Just take me through some of the examples that the hub model that you've developed with YES has been so successful in rolling out so far. So Michael, the, the hub model is, is conceptual. I know we, we see the sexy infrastructure, the containers put together. But in many communities, we have the hub model that is running through a partnership platform. So if you consider the hub model to be a platform model that aggregates players, it aggregates corporate sponsors who want to grow skills in a particular sector or industry. It aggregates uh, training partners who are able to bring that IP, industry uh, level IP into a community so that when youth are trained, they're trained in a way that gets them job ready for that sector now, not a very dated course that hasn't had its accreditation reviewed in, a, in, in some period of time. And what we're also trying to do is ensure that when we bring the, the infrastructure and training in, that there's a pathway for those youth to move from that training into an entrepreneurial opportunity or a job in that sector. So one of the hubs has got a drone program, but all of the youth that are in the, the 30 youth that are in the drone program already have been promised to various companies for jobs once they have this training, because it's a very high level of training. And, you know, when we have this, this full link in the chain, we're not just doing links in the chain, we're not just doing training for the sake of training. Something else that we know from the literature is learning by doing is, is one of the most powerful forms of learning. And so when youth are in this year of training, they are also actively working and they're being paid this yes salary by our sponsor companies. And so by pulling together the know-how, the industry-relevant knowledge, the infrastructure, and the training partners with the kinds of skills, we're trying to get youth ready to enter actively as participants in the economy. Because I do think as a country, we do training for training's sake. 
I once heard a professor talk about, yes, train, uh, not yes, the country trains people to be unemployed. And so I really was very interested in my team building the sorts of programs that said, if you are going to be training, can we show that there's a work opportunity attached to this? And this means that, that the work on economically relevant sector training is done. What are the natural endowments of a community? What are the sorts of skills? And so we're pushing quite hard on enabling technologies in digital mm. courses so that we can take older sectors and really transform them into modern, sexy industries for you. So if you look at Agri with Yes, the partners that we've got are doing are starting to look at IoT. We look at very clever irrigation, grey water systems, hydroponics, aquaponics, so that if a youth gets into Agri, they're getting into a modern Agri with high yield, quick harvest, so there's continuous income, and really reducing the kinds of, of constraints that mm. that sector sees if you're standing with gumboots in a dust field waiting mm. for rain. Mm. You know, can we use technologies to enhance sectors mm. and make those jobs more uh, aspirational for you, but also that they, there's a guaranteed income by taking some of these unknowns out of the, the, the scenario. And create a, a pipeline that is, as you say, aspirational and sexy for, for young work seekers at the same time. Dr. Philip, the policy, doesn't it suffer from the constraints of the national minimum wage here, which perhaps a grant doesn't have to? And how do you see this feeding into the debate inside the ANC on whether an employment stimulus program is better than a broader based but potentially less generous grant? I think it's an error to see this as a binary choice. I think that these different policy instruments perform different functions. Firstly, I mean, I think the national minimum wage is a, is a strength, actually, because it provides people with a minimum living level. And, you know, the grant reaches many people who may not be able to access employment opportunities, including even within the stimulus. There's no suggestion on our side that the employment stimulus can reach all the unemployed. We see it as, as part of a pathway into economic inclusion, but there are many more people who are at or below the food hunger poverty line uh, that need social support. The thing is as well, not everybody who needs social support is able to work. There are poor households that are labor stressed. And so we need to see these things as complementary, that the social grants are about creating a basic survival level, ensuring that people don't fall below the food poverty line. The employment stimulus is providing pathways into economic inclusion, providing people with work experience that sets them up for participation and inclusion as the economy recovers. And so these things are complementary and we need them both. I don't think that, I think there are few people that would aspire to stay on a basic level grant of, of, of at the moment, 350 a month. Um, I don't think that's what people aspire to. And we need to create pathways that enable people into work, into work experience um, through a public employment channel mm. uh, where that's necessary until the wider economy recovers. And then just lastly, we've got a minute to go. In terms of monitoring and evaluation of expenditure here, I believe it's going to be run through the office in the presidency. The lines here between uh, employment through traditional public works and this uh, social employment fund are likely to become a little blurred. Who's really in charge of monitoring and evaluation to ensure that expenditure is correctly allocated and to measure the success of this program? I think it's important to be very clear here. Implementation is through land departments, provinces and metros. The presidency is playing a coordinating role and has engaged with 
public bodies to get their ideas and proposals and support the implementation plans. But uh, the presidency is not implementing. The presidency yep. is playing an overall uh, coordination role. There are 14 national departments who are part of the stimulus, as well as many other public bodies, and they will implement in accordance with their mandates. And they'll report back to the presidency on implementation. I, I'm just trying to get an, over, an yep. understanding of who is the one department you're going to be able to uh, go to and say, how are we doing? How is this program? The presidency is aggregating the reports from all participating public bodies and is, if you like, the central go-to point for how are we doing, but each department will be held accountable for their components. So, for example, the school's assistance, it's the Department of Basic Education that is rolling out 300,000 new jobs. Sure, it wouldn't uh, be possible in any other way, really. Uh, you've got to use those yeah. existing uh, structures. Dr. Philip, I think uh, very interesting. Uh, we've seen this used in other countries internationally. India, the one big example that springs to mind, a lot of innovation. Ultimately, though, what we'd all like to see happen is for the economy to grow and for this sort of counter-cyclical policy to slowly fade into the background and for the private sector to be the big employer that it is really designed to be. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Tashman. Ismail Seville as well for sharing your learnings and experience from the Youth Employment Service. Uh, well, it's over to the Finance Minister on uh, Wednesday to see what he pulls out of uh, his increasingly shrinking hat.